Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. March is Women's History Month, and in this episode, we're speaking with a particularly engaging and successful woman, Lori Kaiser, CPA, founder and CEO of Kaiser Consulting, and the chair-elect of OSCPA's executive board. Lori told me the story of how Kaiser Consulting came to be and the lessons she's learned over the years. Kaiser Consulting has been nationally recognized and won numerous awards, among them being recognized by Columbus Business First as one of Central Ohio's 2020 Best Places to Work and earning the number one spot on the 2020 Accounting Move Project's Best Firms for Equity Leadership list by the Accounting and Financial Women's Alliance. Lori and I discussed the growth of Kaiser Consulting, how her leadership had to evolve to match the needs of the business, what it means to support women and girls in their aspirations, and much more. Here's what she had to say. Well, I really, starting Kaiser Consulting wasn't really my initial plan. I was working at KPMG and I loved my job, but I decided it was time to start my family. And once I had the baby and I was at home, I couldn't really figure out how I was gonna make working at a big four firm work for me and my new life. I traveled more than 50% of the time and I worked a lot of overtime. So I quit and I thought I was just gonna do um, consulting work um, for my clients for a few years. So my kids were a little bit older and then I'd go back to work. But what I found was I really liked the problem solving aspect of consulting. And I decided that I wanted to turn that into my life's work. And so once you made that decision, what did that process look like? Especially since, like you mentioned, you had a family. So the first few years were really me just figuring out the amount of work that I wanted. Um, I really didn't have any shortage of projects coming my way. So I would take projects that I was excited about. I would say no to projects that I was not excited about. Um, but even with that, I found that there was way more work coming my way than I could get done. So in the beginning, I knew other people like myself who decided to cut back on their uh, careers or kind of take their, their foot off the gas. And they were also staying home, but looking for something to keep them busy, uh, something work-related, trying to keep their skills up. So when I got more work than I could do myself, I started hiring people that I know that had very similar backgrounds to myself um, and they would execute some of the project work in conjunction with me. So I, I started growing my staff even before I knew that I was going to turn this into Kaiser Consulting. And I'm curious, how did you get connected with those early people who, like you mentioned, did have similar backgrounds and were kind of looking for a similar work style? Um, so they came from a few different places. Some of them were people that I'd worked with at KPMG. Some of them were college friends that had gone to other firms here in Columbus. Some of them um, were clients that I knew that had um, formerly worked at a client but had, were staying home. So it was just people in my network. And especially in those early years, did you ever consider, man, I'm, I'm starting my own business. I'm a woman. I might face some difficulties. Did that ever cross your mind? I wouldn't say that I felt 
like it was harder to start a business as a woman. It's just hard to start a business. Um, because I think when you have an idea and you're starting to develop what that idea looks like, you know a lot about your product or service, but what you don't know is you don't know anything about IT and legal, contracts, marketing, all those other areas are things that I knew a little bit about from my college coursework, but I'd never really executed um, business in, in those areas. And as a new business owner founding this business, I didn't have enough money to pay for that expertise. So it was a lot of times hitting up friends, um, asking them you know, to help me in these areas. And also when I started Kaiser Consulting, um, there wasn't the internet. And so if I wanted to figure something out, I had to get in my car, drive to a library, try to find resources to answer my, you know, my questions. So it was much harder than it is today. So were there any roadblocks that were really tough to overcome? Yeah, I would say the hardest thing was convincing large uh, corporate businesses that my part-time flexible employees would work in their you know, in their companies, because people would be like, what do you mean your people only work 30 hours a week or 24 hours a week? Um, and so I had kind of had to develop a little elevator pitch about if you have the right people with the right skill set, it doesn't matter how many hours they work. It just matters, you know, if the project's 100 hours, that's going to take my person working 25 hours a week, four weeks. Um, so there was a lot of coaching and convincing around my business model. And do you feel like that's a pitch that you still have to find yourself making, or do you think people have now bought into that business model? People have definitely bought into the business model. Um, you know, that was 30 years ago, and now people working part-time flexible schedules, the idea that people have side gigs and their time is flexible, you know, all those things make my business model pretty mainstream now. And as you were growing the business, were there any moments or parts of it uh, that you found particularly rewarding? For me, the most rewarding part is when I'm helping a client solve a problem or my team is helping a client solve a problem. Um, and then also giving the people that work on my team the schedules and challenging work that they want in their career, but yet also works for their families. To me, that is an amazing win. And as you've mentioned, obviously, Kaiser Consulting has grown considerably over the years. I'm curious, how has that impacted your leadership? You know, how have you figured out how to continually lead this company and get it to where you want it to be? Um, well, I've certainly had to change. I remember a time when the firm was about 35 people and I spent over a month gathering information, writing evaluations and giving evaluations to everybody on my team. And at the end of the month, when I realized I'd spent a month on that and really hadn't done anything else, it really hit me that I was the roadblock that was keeping Kaiser Consulting from growing. I I wasn't delegating enough. I didn't have the right setup and structure of my company to grow any further. I was like, I was maxed out. And so I really looked inward and thought, okay, if I'm the problem, how am I gonna fix these things? 
because if I didn't fix them, we would have been stuck at 35 people. Uh, so I picked some other people on my team that have been around for a while that you know were the strongest performers, stellar management skills, other leaders, and elevated them into um, more of a management position. And then I also delegated anything on my agenda that um, was client related. And I basically elevated myself up into more of a management role so that I could work on the, on the business, not in the business, which is what they tell you to do, but it's hard. It's interesting that you mentioned that that's what a lot of people tell you to do. And I'm, I'm sure people have heard that common refrain about, you know, working on the business, not in the business, but especially in the beginning, when did you decide to make that shift? Was it kind of a, a light switch? Like you decided, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Or was it hard to fully separate yourself from those areas? Oh, it was super hard. I would delegate something and feel like, you know, I was passing it along. And then I would try to focus on the new things that I was supposed to be focusing on. Um, and it was hard not to, to drift back to those things because I liked those things. I did them well. I'd been doing them for a number of years. Um, so I finally had to sort of empower my team to, to tell me to stop doing that drift back to old responsibilities. And um, after a while, I would say maybe a year, things stuck. But definitely a learning process, it sounds like. <laughs> For sure. I think we all gravitate to what we've been doing. And so um, the new things on my agenda were things I wasn't super comfortable with. You know, being out in the community, speaking, um, being more visible, doing things like this podcast. Right, especially when you mention the things that you might be comfortable with, you know that you can do really well, you're thinking, I know how to do this, and I know I can do it well. That's difficult to then switch over and think about other things that you're like, I'm not sure if I can do these as well, but I need to learn because it, it's going to ultimately benefit the business. Yeah, um, that phrase, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable is very true. And as you're growing and learning new things and evolving your leadership, has that happened more of a result of just the experience you've had with your colleagues and your clients? Or has it been more about you being intentional and focusing and thinking, this is what I want to grow and get better at this year? Say it's some of both. Um, sometimes we get new projects that expand our capabilities and I'm on that and I'm learning new things either about the project or a new industry and sometimes it's me making particular goals and then you know working hard throughout the year I'm kind of one of those people that makes you know new year's goals um, and so sometimes it's it's me with those goals and then figuring out how I'm going to gain that skill set or um, sometimes for me it's you know I, I need to meet these 10 people and then steps throughout the year to make sure that I execute on those. And has there ever been a skill or anything that you kind of turned around and realized, oh, wow, I'm really proficient at that, whether it was a surprise to you, or is that something that's, you know, you've always worked toward those skills? Yeah, I would say um, for me, the biggest journey has been uh, public speaking. Uh, earlier in my career, people would ask me to speak in public, 
And I would say, oh, that sounds super interesting. Send me the information about the date and then I'll get back to you. And so they would email me the information and I would look at it and then I would schedule an internal meeting that conflicted. And then I could get back to the person and say, oh, I'm busy on that date, but thank you for asking. Like I was that afraid of public speaking. Um, but I knew that I needed to grow my skills in that area. So I started really small. I um, called up my kid's high school and said, hey, to the, to the accounting teacher, hey, do you need someone to come and talk about careers in accounting? Um, it was a small group. I was pretty sure they wouldn't know if I said anything wrong and probably half of them wouldn't be listening anyway. And so that's how I started. Um, and then my journey sort of culminated about a year ago when I gave a commencement speech to 7,000 people and felt like I did an okay job. That's awesome. And I love that perspective of a learning journey, just starting small, because I think so often you hear people setting these big goals, which is great and so impressive, but it can really seem daunting once you get into it. And I think a lot of people get discouraged, but going and talking to high schoolers, especially in the beginning, seems like such a great way to dip your toe into the water, especially for public speaking. Yeah, whenever um, somebody asks me, you know, how do you achieve a goal that seems so big? For me, it's about chopping it up into small pieces and then doing the things that I'm most comfortable with and that I know that I can be successful because then you get this momentum of, hey, that wasn't so bad. And, you know, check that part off the list and go to the next, maybe slightly harder item. And I've seen you speak, Lori, multiple times, and I can attest to listeners that you're awesome in person. And I love hearing you speak and, and share your experience and perspective. And I know that you do speak with a lot of other groups and individuals. And so what are you hearing from other women in business and finance when they're asking for your advice or questions? What are you hearing from them? So a lot of women talk about their fear, right? Like, I don't put myself up for a job promotion because I'm afraid I won't get it, or I'm afraid I'm going to fail at this project. And so one of the things I like to talk about is, is that feeling that fear is very natural. Um, people will say to me, oh, you seem fearless. Well, it's not that I'm fearless. It's that I feel the fear. I kind of normalize it and say, okay, I might be afraid of this because I haven't done it before, but I'm going to take small steps forward and, and get some momentum and make progress. And I might, I might not succeed at everything I try the first time, but I'm going to be persistent. And so knowing that feeling the fear is part of the process and moving through it anyway is what's going to differentiate people that hit their goals and those that just dream about them and think about them. Which I think that can be really helpful too. Like you mentioned, sort of thinking that if I'm going to be successful, I can't be afraid of doing these things. That's also really tough to wrap your head around, especially if it's something that you struggle with. Cause then you think if I'm so afraid of this, how am I ever going to achieve that ultimate goal because of that fear? And you, I know that you're also involved in a number of organizations that advance women and girls. I know you're involved in the Women's Fund in Columbus and in the National Association of Women Business Owners. Why are these causes so important to you? Well, I think it's every woman's responsibility to give back. 
Um, one time I heard the analogy that all women climbing the corporate ladder should have two, two sore arms. One because they're pulling themselves up and one because they're pulling up someone right behind them. And I like that thought. Um, I feel like if I can share my mistakes and my successes with others, then maybe people, other people won't have to make as many mistakes. Has there ever been a moment with Kaiser Consulting or in your career where you've thought, oh my gosh, we've made it or I've made it? Or do you feel like there's always new goals? There's always something you're reaching toward? Well, there's always goals, of course. Um, but recently I was speaking with a person out of New York City who was looking for a firm to provide some services. And he actually said to me on the phone, Kaiser Consulting is the hot firm in Columbus with an impressive client list. And I was like, whoa, I like that. Oh my gosh, especially to hear that from someone else, I imagine, you know, that's kind of what you're thinking and you hope the perception that you're giving off that perception, but for someone else to say that, I'm, I'm guessing it felt really good. It, it did feel really good. In fact, I had to kind of put the phone on mute and be like, wow, did he just say that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how do you think now looking back in what ways has Kaiser Consulting evolved the most? The single best thing that I did about three years ago was that I um, shared ownership with my management team. Um, so I now have six highly motivated, high performers who are helping me manage the firm. Um, it's by far the best thing I ever did. And was that something, you know, especially when you first started, uh, you considered bringing other people on? Um, is the Kaiser Consulting today something that you had always envisioned and planned for? Or has that been more of a result of um, setting these smaller goals, like we mentioned earlier, and just continuing to try new things? Um, so my first thought for the firm when I had decided to turn this in from something that I was going to do for a year or two into a business was that like a firm of 10 or 12 people would be just right. It would be a nice little firm that I could manage myself. So having you know, 85 people was not really in the initial plan, but um, every time we get to a certain number or level, as long as I can keep the quality strong and the culture strong, I'm happy growing the firm. As the, the business is evolving and growing and you know the, the culture reflects that, that makes me then think of, of course, of goals you set for yourself evolving and changing. How do, you, how do you know when to push the envelope for new goals? When does that feel right? To me, it always feels right. Um, my management team and I, we meet quarterly and set goals for the year. And then we have an annual um, kind of longer term goal session where we talk about where we wanna be in one year, three year, five years. Um, and then again, we kind of use that, let's chop that up into pieces and what do we need to do this quarter to get to those big longer term goals? Um, our, our biggest goal that we're looking for in the future is identifying the next generation of leaders. And when you mention identifying the next generation of leaders, what does that mean? Because that's something that I've heard other people reference, you know, like always looking to the next leaders. It's important to pass your experience and knowledge along. So what does that mean for Kaiser Consulting? 
one of the things that we pride ourselves on at Kaiser Consulting is, is that we are happy to be a place where people just come, show up, work there for six or eight hours a day and don't do anything else, right? We understand that there's a balance, particularly at certain points in your life when you have a lot going on at home, whether it be children or um, caretaking, or maybe you're going back to school, but whatever it is, we don't expect any more than that. Now, when you're there, we want you to, you know, be giving a hundred percent. So we have a good portion of our employees who fall into that bucket, but things change in life. Things change almost every year. And so we're identifying people who desire to do more than just kind of show up and do a great job. Um, People that are interested in, you know, helping us grow the firm and growing their skill set, maybe adding a line of business at Kaiser Consulting. So identifying those people, the ones that have that desire, and then also when is that timing going to be in their life? We've got a couple of people on our team who have the desire, but maybe they have three children under the age of five. So they have the desire. It's just not right now. I love that perspective that you mentioned, just understanding there are different times and Um, individuals in your staff's life that it might make more sense for them, you know, later, but not right now, but to recognize that that is an ambition they have is is awesome. Yeah, we use the term, uh, it's not no, it's just not right now. And you mentioned identifying the next generation of leaders. Do you have any other hopes for the future of your business? Well, my hope is always that the people on our team get to lead great lives. You know, whatever that is for them, you know, the correct balance of work, of, you know, work that fits their family and allows them to achieve all their personal goals. And as long as I'm doing that for the people that are on our team, I think that I've been a success. Thank you to Lori for joining us to talk more about Kaiser Consulting and growing the business. What did Lori say in this episode that particularly resonated with you? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.